Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Indeed, our Father, it will be a glorious day when we shall be with You in our resurrected body in that eternal glory world forever. As John so eloquently stated it, we know not what we shall be, but we know that we shall be like Him, and we shall see Him as He is. Sometimes we try to visualize in our mind what our blessed Master looked like. And too often, the paintings and illustrations of men will creep into our imagination and spoil us of the full beauty of the Lord. And yet, it is indescribable. What John wrote of him in Revelation and even Daniel when he talked about hair like wool and the golden paps of the golden girdle about the paps, the feet of fire and, and so on and so forth. Even those descriptive terms are far beyond our greatest expectation of what our blessed Master will look like and who He is. He's God just as you are our Father, and equally as the Holy Spirit is. That in itself is a profound mystery. And yet, there is a distinction in the Godhead, as you well know, designated Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then there is the Advocate with you. There are so many different facets of this glorious diamond of your being. And each facet is so well defined that it reflects 
the beauty of your being. Just like a diamond that is properly cut. Each aspect of it, from the very face of it, down to the very point, all of it so intricately mastered that it reflects the fullness of the quality of the diamond itself. Whether we will be able to see the full glory of your majesty is questionable because we would have to be on an equal with you with all of your attributes in order to comprehend the fullness of your being. But the expectation of what we shall see is profound. And we ask that we might get a glimpse, just a glimpse, for to see the fullness of the radiance would no doubt destroy us. But help us to get a glimpse of the majesty of our advocate with you. Take the unpolished language of this speaker and hone it to the perfection of each hearer that they might be able to behold thy Son in righteousness. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. We left off this morning coming to the point of our advocate. The word for advocate is parakletos. And it's used five times in the New Testament and four times it's translated as comforter. According to Thayer's Greek lexicon, the meaning is it's summoned Call to one's side, especially call to one's aid. Hence, one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, counsel for defense, legal assistance, assistant, and advocate. 
our legal system is so convoluted that we really would not want to go to court unless we had someone to represent us. And if you're like I am, you, don't, you wouldn't know whether the one that's representing you is doing a good job or not. You just have to trust the lawyer. Back when I was a teenager, driving on the country roads and going around a corner, and another man was coming around the corner, and we ran into each other. My dad, when I got home and told him about what had happened, he said, oh no. The worst man in the community that you could have hit or had this wreck with. Said he sues everybody. And he sued us. Thankfully, it was proven that I was on my side of the road, far past the middle line, and the man was on my side, and uh, he was the uh, target, I mean, he, excuse me, he was the, uh, the one that caused the wreck. If he'd been driving like he ought to, then it wouldn't have happened, and and the thing about it, I was on the outside coming around the corner, turning to the left, and if anybody would be cutting the corner, it looked like I would have been cutting the corner, but I wasn't. And if anybody would have been hugging the corner, normally he should have been hugging the corner. If he'd been on his side, there never would have been a wreck. But we had to go to court, and the insurance for my dad, because I was in his vehicle, and uh, the insurance for our side <coughs> uh, had their lawyer. And when we were in court, uh, you would have thought those two lawyers were bitter enemies. I remember being on the witness stand. Here I was, teenager, about 16 years old, I guess. Just got, you know, didn't have my license very long. And, uh, or, or I would have been at fault. And the reason I know that I had my license is because that I wasn't charged for that. Though my dad let me drive the vehicle and even date at 15 when I didn't have license. And so uh, that wasn't very wise in my opinion, but I sure liked it being the uh, rebellious teenager that I was, though I tried to be respectful to my dad as much as I knew how. But nevertheless, 
I wasn't charged with not having a license, so I must have been at least 16. And that was no comforting feeling to be on the witness stand with the lawyer on the other side drilling me, drilling me, and drilling me. But in the midst of the trial, they had to break for lunch. And as we were walking across the street from the courthouse to a little restaurant there in the small county in which we uh, lived, these two lawyers were walking side by side, laughing and cutting up and having all sorts of a good time. Well, that enlightened me quite a bit to the legal system and everything that went on. And I'm not saying that the lawyers did anything wrong. I would, I, like I said before, I wouldn't have known it if they did. But each one was arguing for their client. This other fellow that was a scoundrel, and he was a scoundrel. Uh, he was, uh, if, if community gossip was correct, he was a child molester. And uh, it was only because of intervention by the the grandfather, that the father didn't kill the man. But anyway, that's what kind of man he was uh, by nature. And uh, like I said, he's always trying to sue everybody else to get a lot of money and things of that nature. But the thing that I'm saying is we have an advocate with the Father, with God, that is Jesus Christ the righteous. See, my lawyer, as well as the lawyer for the other fellow, he came along beside me. My lawyer came along beside me to win the case. And they would do, as lawyers do, they do whatever they can to win the case. And as we know in our legal system today, there's a lot of underhandedness that goes on in, in the legal system. I think I may mention, well, I know I did this morning before I closed, how that uh, even Masons, a, Mason, a Masonic lawyer, if he knows there's Masonic people on the jury, he will do certain signs to let the jury know that they are to vote for their client who is a fellow Mason. Because according to the Masonic uh, Lodge, no Mason is ever to vote against another Mason, whatever the crime may be. Now, some Masons may not know that and may not know what they really believe, and I would say a lot of them don't, but I've read their books. And the reason I say that some of them may not know is several years ago, I was uh, at a meeting and talking to a man uh, during the meal and uh, 
Come to find out, uh, I think he let it be known that he was a Mason. And I went to tell him something about the Masons, and he he really got mad at me. And uh, I didn't know that he got mad at me. He kept it under his hat, uh, so to speak. But he said uh, that he was really, really, really mad at me. And, uh, and the reason I know that is because uh, some years after that, I think it might have been only one or two years or something, we were at a preacher's meeting. And this man was uh, studying somewhat or th- thought maybe he might be called to the, to the uh, ministry. But anyway, he was at the preacher's meeting. Whether it was because he thought he was a preacher or, or maybe... Anyway, he was there. But he got up afterward. or, or de- uh, At one point, he asked if he could say something. I would assume it was toward the ending of the meeting. And this is when I found out that he had gotten mad at me because he got up and he said he wanted to publicly uh, thank God for me introducing him to the truth of the Masonic order. And he reiterated the conversation that we had and told about how mad that he had gotten at me and he went home to prove me wrong and he found out that I was right and he got out of the got out of the Masons. Make a long story short. But uh, I said that to say a lot of time people just join the Masons uh, in order to uh, get advancement at work or uh, to get on a good uh, medical uh, medical insurance and things of that nature. And they really don't know what the, what's all involved in some of the uh, Masonic order, though they should know because when they go there at first, they knock on the door and someone asks, what are you seeking? They say, I'm seeking light. Well, they ought to know that as we have seen here in First John, uh, Christ is light, not the Masonic order. And by the way, the, the, the God of light for the Masons is Lucifer. The God of light for the Masons is Lucifer. But anyway, but we have an advocate that doesn't do any underhanded dealings. If any man sin, and the man that would be sinning here would be the the little child, the child of God, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I want to look at this word as used four other times in John's Gospel. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Here we see this word used as comforter. John 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you, Forever. 
And I'm tempted to read down to verse 26, but let's just go on and jump down to it. <coughs> well, no. <laughs> but it's too good of stuff here. Verse 16, I give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And then he tells us who it is. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. That's not the same word there. That word is orphan. But we'll, uh, I will come to you. Notice in this, notice the triune ministry working here. Jesus is telling them, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you another comforter. He's the Spirit of truth. And then He says, I'll come. Beloved, we have the Lord with us and in us by the operation of His Holy Spirit. You may not always feel like it. Your cup may not always overflow. You may not have rich emotional experiences every day. But whether you feel like it or not, you must be consciously aware that the Holy Spirit in the person of Christ, or should I say the, the Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit, I don't know which one the best way to say it, He's in you. Not only with you, but in you. Verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. So here we have the Holy Spirit the Lord in the Holy Spirit, the Lord in the Father, the Father in the Lord, the Holy Spirit in the Lord. Here you see the triune God, the divine nature. We are partakers of it. That's comforting. Verse 21. How, how can I be sure of this? He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved to my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not as Garrett, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Sound like First John a lot, doesn't it? And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We will live in, with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, 
being present with you, but the Comforter, there it is again, the Paraclete, the Advocate, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. <coughs> and again in chapter 15, John 15 and verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And then in chapter 16, and verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now that's the Comforter that is with us. In all of these four times in the Gospel, in chapters 14, 15, and 16, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, is with us. And Jesus is with us. And the Father is with us. But in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, the Comforter or the Advocate is not with us, it's with the Father. Notice that. If any man sin, we have an Advocate. And allow me to substitute according to its use in, God, in the Gospels, we have a comforter with the Father. Beloved, Jesus is there for your comfort. When I was going back to the incident of me as a teenager being in court, court I sure was glad that I had someone representing me. That was a comfort. That was a comfort. I was ignorant of the whole system, but that was a comfort. I had somebody to represent me. I had somebody to represent me. And beloved, you've got someone that represents you before your Heavenly Father. 24-7 seven days a week, 52 weeks out of the year, 365 days, day and night. We have a comforter. We have an advocate. Not only that it continually abides with us, <coughs> but we have one with us the Father. Aren't you glad that God has so designed it that the Trinity is involved in our salvation on a daily basis? 
What for? Because you're, you're a sinner. You say, I'm a sinner. I sinned. What am I to do? Do I need to get rid of this sin? Yes. Do I need to overcome this sin? Yes. So I need to get rid of the sin and overcome the sin before I can go back to God? No. If any man sin, we have an advocate. Then say when you've gotten rid of your sin, are you a sinner? Do you commit sin? We talked about last Lord's Day how that you sin all the time, every day. Do you come down to the end of the day and say, Lord, if I've sinned, forgive me? Or do you say, Lord, I got mad today and I shouldn't have. And this is the reason why. Lord, I wasted time today doing such and such. And I shouldn't have done that. Lord, there was somebody cut me off in traffic and I really let them have it. Of course, they didn't hear words you said. You put... You put it in there. Lord, I, 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 I gossiped today. Lord, I heard something about a minister and I told somebody else about it. But the Bible says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. And the, and the list could go on. The list can go on. <clears throat> Habakkuk one thirteen tells us that God is so holy that He has purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we are sinners and we can approach God who is so holy and so righteous. We can approach Him through our advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, who intercedes for us. He intercedes for us. We could preach many, many passages, uh, look at many on this, but let's look at two or three. First of all, Romans 8. Romans 8. And we'll pick up, I guess, in verse 31. What shall we say then? Excuse me. What shall we say? What shall we then say to these things? I'll get it right. Maybe if God be for us, who can be against us? 
You probably have it marked in your Bible. That's the center verse of the book of Romans. Because I've told you that several times. I figured you've marked it. Memory serves me correctly. There's 208 verses before it and 208 verses after. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that that died, yea, rather that is risen, who is even where? At the right hand of God, making who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day, day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all the, these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know why nothing can separate us? We have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate. You know, it said back over there <coughs> in verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. <coughs> Excuse me. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. We have an advocate with the Father that's making intercession for us. Look at Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Talking about Christ, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth and make intercession for them. He's daily making intercession for you, whether you know it or not, whether you feel it or not. How much more so when you go and seek forgiveness? If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And I can tell you, beloved, you have sinned far, far more than you have ever confessed. 
Because there are sins that you've done you don't even know that are sins. You remember back in the Old Testament, one of the sacrifices uh, for <clears throat> that they gave was for uh, the sacrifice of ignorance. Where they sought forgiveness for the sins of ignorance. Sins they didn't know they committed. And you can too go to God and confess your sins, but you can also ask Him to forgive you of the sins of ignorance. And you might even pray like the psalmist, O Lord, search me and try me and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. In other words, God, show me my sin that I may confess them. That I may have a clean slate, as it were, in my conscience with you. Of course, the clean slate is already there if you're His through the uh, blood sacrifice of Christ, but you want it in your conscience. You want it in your conscience. You know, sometimes we have an infection in our bodies and we don't even know that the infection is there. We just know something's wrong. But we don't know what it is. And sometimes people go to the doctor and, and they don't know what it is. And there may be hidden sins deep in the recesses of our soul. Those sins of ignorance that we don't know that's keeping us from having the fellowship with God that we ought. And we need to appeal to our great physician that he would lance and bring forth the sin that we might confess it and seek forgiveness. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 18. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted also. We have an advocate with the Father. He knows how to appeal to God for us in those times of need when we're tempted to sin. You see, beloved, we not only need to go to God when we have sinned to seek forgiveness, but when we're being tempted, we need to go to God and ask Him to help us and keep us. Well, there's many others, but we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate with the Father. But I like the next part of that Jesus Christ the righteous he's, as we've said before he's not just an advocate he is righteous look at John chapter 5 and verse 30 John 5:30 
I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. My judgment is right. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Acts 3, verse 14. Peter and John preaching to those in the temple there. John, Acts 3, 14. But ye denied the Holy One and just and desired a murderer be granted unto you. Chapter 7. Stephen preaching. Verse 52. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers? Acts 22, 14. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Second Timothy chapter four and verse eight. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all those, all them that love His appearing. 1 Peter 3, verse 18, For Christ also hath, suffer, hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. And then in 1 John, in the second chapter in verse 29, if ye know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. He is righteous. Let's look at a couple of three more in Revelation. Revelation 15. Talking about our just Christ. Jesus Christ the righteous. Revelation fifteen three, and they sang a new song. No, excuse me, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, slaying great, saying, "Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Just, just and true." 16th chapter of Revelation, verse 5. And I heard an angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and washed and shall be, because Thou hast judged thus. Verse 7. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are Thy judgments. And then lastly, 
Revelation 19:2 For the true and the righteous are his, for true and righteous are his judgments true and righteous so we see that in many other passages could be multiplied to this but here, our advocate does not seek to get us off the hook by ungodly means he is righteous he is just he is true and while we wrestle in our souls seeking freedom from guilty feelings and uh, our advocate with the Father deals with justice and our sins are forgiven because of the debt is paid in full. He paid for them. Therefore, He knows it is right and just that our sins, our guilt are forgiven. And forgiveness is not based on the measure of our feelings or emotions. The forgiveness of sins is based on the propitiatory sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because verse 2 says, He is the propitiation for our sins. We haven't gotten to that yet. And we won't till the next time. But notice this, Christ is not an advocate for sin. Christ is an advocate for for sinners. He's an advocate for sinners. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. If that doesn't make you sleep well at night, you've got some physical afflictions, <laughs> not spiritual. If you know the truth of it, if you know the truth of this, you don't have any uh, spiritual things that'll keep you awake. You might have some physical things that'll keep you awake, but you can lay your head down in peace, knowing you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Let us pray. Our heavenly Father, we thank you. For the Lord Jesus Christ who is with you, that is a comfort to us. We thank you that He is there pleading our case. And He ever pleads it. He doesn't just start and stop. Sometimes He said, well, I won't, I'm not going to do it today. You've been too rotten today. I'm just not going to do it. No, He's ever there pleading our case it sounds too good to be true nevertheless it is true because you have said so and I pray that you bless us to lay hold upon it and to rest in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only our prophet, our priest, and our king, but our advocate with you. Amen.